Welcome to Season 6 of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Gary. And I'm Sandra. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We've been exploring the cocktail world for 15 years, sharing what we discover in our print and digital magazine, on our website, and all kinds of fun places. But this is where we're talking about all things cocktail. We're talking about the recipes, products, books, bars, and people. So, let's find out what's in this week's episode. Some weeks we have a theme that runs through the episode. This is not one of those weeks. But, if there was a hook, it would be flavour. Lots and lots of lovely flavour. Apples get a look in with our two featured products. The first one is Showerings, 100% apple-tastic dry vintage cider from Somerset. And the second... Le Morton Calvados Domfronte, comprising 70% pears and 30% apples, all the way from Normandy. Ollie Smith takes us on a journey of flavours in his World Cocktail Atlas, where he invites us to travel the world of drinks without leaving our homes. And then we check into Sweeties at the Standard to check out Zoe Burgess's vibrant cocktail list. Lastly, Juliette Laurie takes time out from sharing the cocktail love in Singapore, Bangkok and Seoul to talk to us about how she uses the kitchen for inspiration in her drinks and why New York is where her impressive career in cocktail started and continues to make a massive impact in her latest venture, Schmuck, the new bar she's opening with Mo Aljaf next year. But first, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. Amongst many significant dates in our diary is, or was, 21st of October, because as you know, Sandra, it was National Mescal Day. Was it? Uh, yeah, and there was something else as well. Was it something like um, National Apple Day or National yeah. Calvados Day? Some, all, some all of, craziness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as we've said, I think many a time before, there's a day for everything. Oh, and there why really not? is, indeed. But National Mescal Day, it's, I th- you know, obviously I'm going to make you a little mescal, a little drinkeroo today. Marvellous. And I think because we taste the other week well i think we've done a few mezcals but the other week we did lost explorer which yes, we love yes and i think i said at the time i've really been kind of getting into mezcal much more so why not make a mezcal cocktail i thought to myself so i'm multitasking i'm talking and preparing at yeah, the same steady time. on gary I'm so <laughs> it's only the start we don't we don't want you all worn out towards the end <laughs> peak too early yes yeah. exactly <laughs> so i'm putting some ice into the mix glass so yeah i said i'm making a mezcal drink i didn't say what i'm making did i no I'm making a mezcal Negroni. Great, good. And I personally, and I think you might agree, Sandra, I, I really like drinks at home that are obviously easy to make, simple to make. But I also like it when you just think, well, there's a sort of drink that I like. And if I just swap out one ingredient, put in another, mm. I'm probably going to like it. So Negroni, mezcal, probably going to work. So, And it's so easy, this one. So I've got to put some ice in my mixing glass. I'm making enough for two, you'll be pleased to know. So as with your classic Negroni, it's all equal measures, which we love. So 25 mil per person, so 50 in total of sweet vermouth that's gone in. 
for the swiftly by 25 mil times 250 of Campari going into the mixing glass. Mm-hmm. 25 mil per person. Again. I think uh, mezcal Negroni is a, is a great thing because you get that lovely smokiness, don't yeah. you? So, um, you know, as you said, it is lovely to be able to start building your cocktail repertoire by changing, swapping things in and out. So, um, yeah, mezcal, why not? If you if you find it hard or you're still coming to terms with drinking mezcal, this might be a nice way, to, way in, yeah. to bring it into. So I was giving that a little stir in my mixing glass. I've got a couple of rocks glasses with some ice in them. And I'm just pouring it smells i mean the, the smell of the the aroma i should say of the mezcal is really enticing and i think also heading into these colder days that's mm. also rather nice and i think garnish wise a bit of citrus i'm using a little twist of lemon peel but i think because it's mezcal you could probably try this with might work really nice with a lime twist couldn't it? what it does look like to me actually in that glass it reminds me of something that would be really really good for bonfire night because yeah. it's a lovely glowy yeah, good, good glowing um, right. amber color and also i must cheers. say cheers. cheers gary's got a cold this week <laughs> so if you hear him feeling a little bit bunged up that's what it is that's the reason i yes. think this will help cure it cheers cheers very good. Thank you. That is really good for bonfire. That's it, your Mezcal Negroni. Right, I have something very special for you today. Lovely, I love special. I know you do. But I mean, this is, it's a cider, actually. We've never done a cider. I think we've done one beer once quite yeah. a while ago. No ciders, as far no. as I can recall. But this, I'm really intrigued by because I love the bottle and I love all that it seems to be on the label. So what it's called, showerings, mm. showerings, okay. and it's a triple vintage, a blend of three vintages <clears throat> from a single orchard. And that is elevating your ciders, I think and you'll find. Where is the orchard in question? It's in Somerset. It's an award-winning orchard in Somerset. And this blend, it's made from Dabonet apples. And it all belongs to the Showerings family, who have right. been making cider for over 170 years. Ooh. But this one is their, what they've said is the one to make their cider the best in the world, which is a big claim indeed. And a good ambition. Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? And you can tell that they mean business with the look of this bottle. Let me pass it to yeah, you. Yeah, that's a beautiful bottle. Mm. Cider is one of those things when you're growing up, you have all these bad really perceptions of what cider is sugary and, ciders yeah and oh cheap and nasty and everything but this looks that little well, i say little bottle what is that anyway it three looks like, seven five thank you it's almost got a feeling of a sort of ele elegant wine bottle. well it's funny that you say that because what they want this to be is a cider that really pairs with food and because of that they even suggest a serve for you to do it with so usually we try everything at room temperature yeah. but they've said to chill this so i have yeah. done that okay. and then they also say to serve it in an oversized 
oversized stemmed red wine glass, ah. but poured from a height. Okay. So I can that gives. For, oh gosh, that is a. I can vouch for that being a very high pour. Yeah, that's but that's to to elevate it. And I like so that idea are. of really explaining to people this is how you're going to get the best. From yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. So chilled, no ice, but in a red wine glass. I would swirl it around. Yeah. God, it's a, such a strong aroma. Mm, but it's very dry. They're quite crisp apples. I wouldn't say that no. they're like the lively, fresh sort of, what would you say, young apples. These yeah. taste much more matured and mm. elegant, dare I say. Yeah. And quite farmyardy in a good way. Yeah, But yeah. it does bring those sort of farmy, rustic, <laughs> mm. you know, those sort of um, notes to mind. Well, it feels really fresh and natural yeah and very crisp Mm. so how they describe it and i will too actually it's elegantly dry gently carbonated cider and it's made from three vintages Mm. of these apples so the light and fresh 2021 cider blended with 2017 and 2018 apples and slowly fermented for mature depth and character so that maturity you do taste that don't you because as i say it doesn't taste like fresh sort of lively apples this is much more everything's matured matured that's the word i'm (laughs) looking for even though i've said it about it it's got a kind of nice restraint about it because i look i really like the the effervescence is so subtle yes yes it's not like when you drink anything that's got bubbles in it you know like water or whatever it's not got that bite it's kind of very just tingles quite smooth yes and likewise uh, i really like the fact it's not all sweet is Mm, it no mm, very dry and it's a deep color it is Mm. more of an amber isn't it than some of them they're quite blonde you get those um ciders that really really yellow straw like yellow this is very um deep and yeah, it's got guts to it, yeah. I would say. And, and and yes, you would that with food. I mean, I'm just thinking having that with some pork, roast pork. Mm, oh, oh, yes, oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. That would be so good. So it's six point eight ABV, so quite punchy. And it is the bottle is three hundred and seventy five mils, as I said, and one um, bottle is two point six units. You can buy them singly, but I'm, it, it's a bit harder to find it singly at the moment. So the best way to go and, and find it is on the website, which is showerinsatsider.co.uk. I find it really difficult to say shower rings. Ooh, <laughs> but I have to say it very slowly. And it's £30 for six bottles or £45 for 12. And we will have pictures of this, as always, on our Instagram feed. Staying with the apple theme, I'm going for a Calvados. Lovely. We haven't had a Calvados either, have we? We haven't. So Mm. we're doing some first today. Indeed, it's good for us. (laughs) (laughs) Always really nice. So I'm going with Le Morton Calvados d'Omfronte. Great. I'm glad that your French is getting an airing. <laughs> I'm sure everybody else is too. Um, and suitably <laughs> impressed. So it's actually, this, this does follow on really nicely from that beautiful cider you just shared with us. And there's, you know, that time of year, autumn, apples, hmm. kind of lovely, isn't it? So this particular Calvados comes from a third generation family run 
farm in Normandy. And as I say, third generation, it's now run by Didier and his wife, Martine. And they really care about what they do. It's a really, it's kind of a small little setup, but mm. they managed to churn out these wonderful products. And also, I should say, because I'm, I'm far from an expert on Calvados, I'm just holding my hand up, so I'm not Calvados. Mm. But I think a lot of people, me included, just you just think of apples. Yes, yes, definitely. But this particular region, it's as important to be about pears. So mm. pears, apples and pears. Apples and pears. And uh, it's been apparently strictly controlled since nine, eight, 1985. That I think they have to have at least a minimum of something like 30% of apples. Um, of, of, pears um but this one this particular one they've oh. they go all out it's 70 percent pears and 30 percent apples wow yeah and on their farm they they're very nurturing towards what they do and they they're growing something like 40 varieties of pears and apples and i think they're very aware of looking after the sort of ecosystem and things like that so well done to them mm. did you go there to that I, particular I farm. did actually yeah. I was really really lucky to go there and I'm guessing it must have been six years ago mm. it was quite a while mm. and they're really really lovely family and you can visit I should say that we'll have details on our website but you can I believe visit right and they'll show you around and give you tastings and oh things brilliant like that. it would be a nice time of year to go because it is very much about pears and apples yeah. at the moment everything isn't it? will be Which naturally is... falling mm. off the trees they matured mm. this this is a 10 year old this has been matured in oak cast for 10 years and they recommend serving it uh, at room temperature, which is right. what we normally do. So it's really interesting because I'm yeah. holding up the the cider that yes. we just had and the Calvados, and they're very similar, aren't they, yeah, in colour and characteristics, which yeah. is oh. really lovely. Well, this yes, that's a good good point to make, and mm. it smells amazing. So I'm going in for a quick taste. Oh, that's lovely. Very, I mean, obviously stronger. Mm. It's 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 more um, mm. oh. spirit. Well, it is a spirit, but you know, after coming from the cider, this is that still has that lovely fruity goodness. Yeah. But this is really amplified, isn't it? Yeah, Which is and it's lovely. It's got that, it's, uh, not unlike your cider, it's kind of got that freshness about yes, it as yes, well. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of got a nice mouthfeel. Like, kind of reminds me a little bit. of honey mm. and it just uh, it looks like honey actually yeah mm. so uh, you know this is a really simple delicious drink as i say they recommend having it a room temperature but again again like your cider they say it's great to, they pretty much say you can have it any time of day have it with food they also say not these specifically but this kind of drink you can have it in your morning coffee oh okay <laughs> maybe <laughs> good not, luck not, with that one <laughs> maybe not before setting off for work yes um, weekend coffee special weekend coffee. yes a special one also interestingly because you made the point about the similarity and the sort of uh this the cavalos and your cider Another nice thing to do is just have a glass of each mm. and drink them sort yeah, of side together. Side, yeah. So in terms of uh, servings, so do they say that as well? That is something I actually had when I was there, right? Because okay. they make cider as well. Nice, um, and it's just a nice little. You know, you go back and forth yeah, between yeah, the yeah, cider yeah. and the Calvados, and mm. it just works a treat. So. Very, very delicious. That is Le Monton Calvados d'Enfronté. Oh, my goodness. That really did sound French. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, 40% ABV, and you can get it online for around £65 for a 70cl bottle. 
And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. Hi, I'm Monica Berg, and I am one of the co-owners of Tayer Elementary, a London bar in Old Street, so East London. And my cocktail hack would be ice, because it's the one ingredient that you can never get enough of. And it's also the cheapest ingredient that you could uh, add to your drink to get a better result at the end. Okay, so recently we headed up to the top of the Standard Hotel in mm, London. And all 10 floors. Yeah, I could, Did you count them? I didn't count them, but I know that it is on the 10th floor. And yeah. it is that thing where we took... Did you say it's at the Standard Hotel? I did say that. Yes. Yeah. So with all the standards, they have these wonderful lifts, don't they? Yeah, that all have some quirkiness thing. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they've done that in London well, as well. Yeah, because as you ascend, it's one of those lifts. It's on the outside of the building. So you mm. can sort of see the London skyline looming up mm. as you go up. I think that's a, a really, really cool part of the whole experience. It actually. is. Yeah. And I think that leads actually nicely. I, I just want to read their description. Because it mm. says, because um, I, sh- I should say actually, it's called Sweeties at the Standard Hotel. So Sweeties, cocktail bar, discotheque, <laughs> and late night lounge, bringing playful drinks and glorious misbehaviour to the top of the Standard Hotel in London. Perfect. I think anything that says discotheque, yeah. <laughs> it's got my name on it. But you know, you as we said that you go up that lovely lift, and it really yeah. sets the mood. We went in the day, and so it was nice that you could see all of the glory of King's Cross and and the uh, area that's yeah. just emerging in the, in the King's Cross area. If you haven't been lately, people, you must because it's astonishing what's going on well, in King's Cross. In King's generally. Cross, oh, absolutely. In the last 10 years, it's yeah. incredible. And and yeah. this is one of the highlights, I would say. So Sweeties or the Standard Hotel, the whole uh, experience yeah. is is great. So we went specifically for the cocktails and yeah. they're headed up by Zoe Burgess, yeah. who has written some columns for us in, um, in our magazine. Indeed. And she's doing some great things here, actually. And she's got a huge pedigree. She used to work <gasps> for um, Tony Conigliario at um, Untitled and 69 Colebrook Row and all of that um, yeah. umbrella. But now <clears throat> she's on her own doing things under Atelier Pip. Yeah. Um, we reviewed her book as well at, at we uh, did, some on, point. On so, this, this yeah, so yeah. it's good. So what should we say about the cocktails, well, Gary? Actually, just forgot, before we get on to the cocktails, I just want to say one other thing about mm. the venue. Because for me, it had a feel, and I mean this in the best possible way, that I imagine what the 80s uh, kind of clubby, New Yorky sort of places would have been. It's kind of loungy, that mention of the word discotheque. Mm. It's got late nights. So, yeah, it kind of makes me feel like that New York in the 80s. Not yeah, that there, but it's but, very, yeah. that's what the standard do very yeah. well. They're mm. very playful. They know their audience and they, they do like a disco vibe. And I think that that's part of the thing. And it's really nice that they, even though all of their hotels are different, there is a similarity. There's a common thread that runs yeah. throughout. And yeah. I would say that that sort of disco baby vibe is very much part of it. I agree. And I think it's fun that you can have a fun venue, but really interesting cocktails. Mm. And, that, and they are fun cocktails. Yes, I think we yes. should say that. You know, the way they're, they're tasty, but they're fun. Tasty, but mm. fun. And the, and the way 
on the menu, you know, the, I can't remember the expression, but they talk about, you know, hey, sweetie, let's get together. Yes, and it's all yes, a bit yes. playful there. So in terms of cocktails, I'll kick off. I had Dream On, Dream On, <laughs> which was a pickled lemon Tanqueray number 10 gin, white chocolate washed Syrah vodka, Lele Blanc, vermouth. Oh, that was it. Yeah, those three ingredients. It was served martini style. And uh, so it looks to all intents and purposes like a martini, but tasted very, very different, you know, because there was so much. I couldn't break it down, but there was, you know, the sort of it, it, on paper pickled lemon and washed chocolate. I was thinking, what the hell is that? <laughs> but it made for a really intriguing drink mm. and very, uh, very Moorish. Mm, good mouthfeel mm. as well. And mine was called a city slicker, which is perfect for this venue because it's a modern twist on the cosmo mm -hmm. so it's made with cranberry cherry blossom and topped with champagne so it's their cranberry blend um they've got this triple sec thing action going on and verve clicquot champagne and it's perfect for this um environment as well because everyone knows a cosmo you know yeah. but it it takes it up another level just like sweeties in fact so that's good um and they did you have another one? I did. I did. I also had something called All Yours, which is made with Suntory Toki whiskey, green tea leaves, honeyed sticky rice vinegar, and topped with soda. They're very good, actually. And they, they have a few drinks that are long. Yes, yes. I think that, again, works with that late night. For the like disco, yes. Disco, a bit more refreshing. And also, you don't want things that hit too hard too no, quickly. Exactly. You know, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think they did that well. And mine was appropriately called Me Time, which was Honjozo Sake, dry pear aperitif, and pickled ginger brine. So that was a really lovely sort of martini moment, which was just lovely, nice little Asian flavours yeah. going on. It's Very interesting because cool. yours had that sort of, um, did you say, what was it, uh, wine vinegar or brine or something? What brine, yes, brine. pickled ginger and brine. And my one had that rice vinegar. I think that's a sort of bit of a, not a safe theme, but a thing that yeah, she loves she that sort of, yes. With. And I like that because it gives all those drinks that, that little bit of zinginess, doesn't it? Yeah. And all of them sound like they're three ingredient cocktails, but they're so much more going on to them than that but and also quite well priced aren't they yeah there's uh 11 cocktails on the menu mm. uh, two of which can be had in a non-alc yes. version and they range from 12 pounds to 16 pounds yeah so that's perfect so also on tuesdays to saturdays they have a happy hour so it's two for one on selected cocktails mm -hmm. and it is open quite late for london standards i mean around the world <laughs> you know so <laughs> saying that um, 2.30 is super late, but it is it's for, it for is London, for London. Yeah. and that's from Thursdays through to Saturdays. Yes. So that is Sweeties at the Standard, and that's in King's Cross, and it's uh, doing a really, really, it's a welcome addition to King's Cross. Absolutely. The latest issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine is out now, and it's all about tech. We're looking at the brands pushing boundaries in how drinks are produced, Explaining drinks tech talk in plain English, picking the coolest equipment to up your mixing game at home, asking will the rise of artificial intelligence signal the end of human creativity in the cocktail world, and whether robots can replace humans behind the bar. Plus a whole lot more. To get your print or digital copy of The Cocktail Lovers magazine, see thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. 
All right, continuing on our adventures with flavour. I am choosing this week a brand new book. It's called World Cocktail Atlas. Mm-hmm. Travel the world of drinks without leaving your home. And it's by Ollie Smith. Oh, yeah. Ollie, because with Jolly Ollie. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He's Jolly Ollie. Yeah, he, yeah. He's mainly, he, most people will know him, particularly in the UK, for talking about wines. Yeah. Um, he appears a lot on Saturday Kitchen. He writes a column for The Mail. He he does lots and lots mm-hmm. of things, lots of TV appearances. Um, and he's been in the wine area for quite a long time but he is a huge fan of cocktails i I love speaking to him and he's really passionate about cocktails Mm -hmm. this is his second cocktail book the first one was called let me see it's just behind me Mm -hmm. home cocktail bible Uh, and this one world cocktail atlas so let me pass it to you. you yeah it is. It's about 300 and odd pages. And it's all about the flavours of the world, really, in cocktails. So he split the, the book up into, there's 230 recipes. Yeah, and they take in cocktails from Africa, Asia, Europe, North America, South America, Oceania and Australasia. So it's, um, you know, all of his using spirits or some kind of ingredient from all of the countries. So everything in Africa, he's covering Ethiopia, South Africa, Mauritius, um, Kenya. He's got um, Seychelles, you know. So every little pocket has got something dedicated to it. And he's written little notes about each one, why it's inspired him or why he's made that particular cocktail. And this, he has this lovely personal touch as well. So anything that you picked out there? Yeah, I, I, what I like about it is it's also, it's sort of a nice mix of, I think, it looks to me like there's a mix of kind of classic cocktails, you know, that he's likes and he's discovered and he's sharing. And then he's got one, I saw one, I can't remember what it's called now, sorry, but I saw one and he said, oh, this was a recipe he tried on his travels yeah. and it was introduced to him by a bartender. So he's including other people's Lots serves. of different things. And he's got, I think he's got some of his own in there yes, as well. Yes, yes. There was one I just saw, which was Ollie's sort of highball. That I saw he's Ollie's had. Turkish delight. Yes, yes. Yeah. Lots of different things. Also, for the Antarctica, I love this bit because he's dedicated the Antarctica all about ice. So yeah. it makes really what, sense. What, what, what yeah, it's really be, nice yeah. because, um, you know, he's, he talks about all the different shapes of ice and the importance of clear ice and things yeah. like that. So it's a very clever way to do it. It's a great book to dip into. Yeah, lots of uh, photographer, photography and, and, and stuff like that. Also, I like those things where people show illustrations of the glassware as yeah, well. Like you know, graphic and the gu- symbols, aren't yes, they? So exactly. Knows, is it a long drink, a rock drink, yes, martini yes. style, whatever? Yeah, very like colourful, yeah. very user friendly. I would say it's published by Quadrille. Um, just actually out right now, um, £22. Mm-hmm. Ollie's also doing a book tour if you're in the UK. Um, he'll be in Edinburgh on the 8th of November. St Andrews on the 9th of November and Bath on the 30th oh, of November. Great. So not exactly a world tour, but it, <laughs> it will do. I'm sure he will try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's World Cocktail Atlas by Ollie Smith.
Juliette Lowry comes from a distinctly culinary background in her native France, and it was always her dream to work in the world of hospitality as a chef. But it was a chance visit to New York that inspired her to move from kitchen to bar. Back in France, she went on to become manager at the highly rated Le Syndicat in Paris before becoming a key player in the success of another much-admired bar, Touchmarks, in Barcelona. Her love of the kitchen is never far away, though, and is intrinsic to the incredible drink she is renowned for creating. And certainly something we can look forward to tasting as she prepares to open a brand new bar in, rather fittingly, New York City. We're thrilled that she joins us today to share her story and her drink's passions. Julia, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Hi guys, nice to see you. Thank you for having me today. So let's start with a little bit about you. How do you describe yourself and your bartending style? I'm like, I always work in party bar and like place where like the energy was high up. So I consider myself like a street bartender, like really like hospitality uh, uh, focus, let's say. Yeah. But let's let's go back a little bit because um, we know that your family has a restaurant in France and you actually tra- trained as a chef. So was a career in hospitality always expected of you or was it something that you found was innate within you? Yeah. So like so the restaurant in my family is actually not my parents, but like my big aunts. But yeah, since I'm maybe like 10, I want to have a restaurant. Like it was like, I had like an easy life because I never like been lost. <laughs> I knew straight away I wanted to do this. And um, back in the day, in France, like bartender was not such like as seeing as like chef. And I really loved like restaurant and stuff. So I went like in kitchen school. Really loved it as well. But yeah, yeah, it's been like, it's been, I don't remember one point of my life where I didn't want it to work in hospitality, which is, a, I know I'm really lucky for this. I could have, like, I, I start young. <laughs> no, it's good. And it's good for us because we're able to get your amazing flavors and stuff. Tell us a bit about when and why you made the switch from, bar, from wanting to be a chef to becoming a bartender. So I was always like uh, uh, attracted by nightlife. I was like since uh, since uh, a long time, like since I could like go to nightlife, obviously. And also, so like the real, like there's like one kind of story. It's like I went to Montreal to see my friend and she bring me in New York. And she was a bartender. So she bring me in uh, Ombre's Only and Milk and Honey and stuff like this. And I saw like the real story was like, Ombre's Only was wearing a chef vest. And I was like, oh, I'm wearing the same uniform. I mean, like, we can do the same stuff. And it's a big, like, circle now because uh, last week I was in Singapore and we did, like, the employees only takeover. And they gave me a vest and I was like, oh, I remember myself, like, 10 years ago being in, like, it's a, it was like, it was a fun old circle, circle. thing. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Cool moments for me. So was that when it made that transition in your mind that you could use the chef in skills in bartending yeah 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 exactly yeah when i went when i went to new york i understand that cocktail was it was a mix of like what i like nighttime nightlife and i i really missed as well the service i was like a waitress as well since ever and in kitchen you are like kind of always in your little bubble so i was like missing this part a lot and when i saw that you could do elevated stuff doing service and still creating 
I I understand this there, and I was like, oh, okay. So like when I came back in Paris, I literally Google best cocktail bar in Paris, and it was like Candelaria, Aris Bar, Syndicat. And I went to Candelaria, and I was like, oh yeah, you can do taco if you want because you're a chef. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. I went to Aris Bar, and obviously they didn't took me because I didn't know what was the old fashioned. And I went to Syndicat, and I met Sully. Did like the same school as me, as like but in the service part. And we clicked like straight away and took me uh, in his team. It was nice. Also really lucky. I will be miserable in Aris Bar. I really love this bar, but it's not my style. <laughs> no, no. But, but still, that's fantastic. But there's, it's, it's really interesting um, that, you know, this kind of overlap that you're talking about between what you love about chefing and what you love about sort of creating cocktails. So could you tell us a little bit about how they come together for you personally so you know how you use your culinary skills when you approach making what we might think is a classic cocktail how does that work it's so it's work like it's the most easy for me it's honestly like because i'm i'm better at this and like like knowing like the classic and stuff so like so it's like it went really naturally i all like i did a lot of mistake at the beginning uh because like i was a uh, I like the like the flavor I knew was made up with salt and fat, <laughs> and it's it's not a thing in a cocktail. Oh, it's way more difficult. So so like I had to learn like technique and like also balance like acidity as well was kind of new because in French kitchen you don't use acidity that much beside like some vinegar and stuff. So it was like new stuff like that I picked, but like what I knew was like kitchen. So this is why. It went like really naturally for me to to use kitchen as soon as I needed to invent cocktail and stuff. But yeah, mistake I've been made. <laughs> <laughs> mistakes are always made, and actually, you learn from your mistakes, so it's never really a mistake. Yeah, no, for sure. Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah. You didn't really, as you, I think you said before that you didn't really have classic training as a cocktail person. You just sort of learned on the job. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, like in syndicates as well, it was not like, I was like, Sully knew, but like, like, it was like, honestly, I was like, they put me behind the bar when I was not like, if it was in London, I will be uh, crushed by like, because like, I didn't know nothing. And it was like more easy because it was not more easy. I knew a lot about spirits though, because in syndicates, it was French spirits. And so I went to a lot of really interesting distillery and like, we like not industrial one like proper so i knew i know a lot about like the whole process and stuff but like the culture of cocktail i like i took time to like really like i knew like i did i was not the best at all but like i'm still not like compared to people that are like a old bible and like they know everything and i, I really respect this <laughs> But like, but like now I know, I know better though. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't always make them better though. It makes it different. Different. Yeah. You know, which I yeah, think Yeah, it's is a different style. Like, for sure. I think so as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with, with chefing and also bartending, who inspires you? In the bar world, uh, like I don't, I, I don't have like, there's like a lot of bartender I really respect, but it's less like, it's less an inspiration. Uh, but like, yeah, chef, like chefs, pastry chef as well. It's really like, as I do, like, they are like for me, like so in advance compared to like cocktail flavor. 
So like I follow like mostly like what what inspire me is like when I go to eat in a big chef restaurant and stuff like this. I follow a lot of chefs, a lot of pastry pastry chef as well. They do like in France it's a huge thing, and they do like really new stuff like. Yeah, it's like I I follow more like the gastronomic for uh, inspiration, but like yeah, than the cocktail world. Obviously, I follow like cocktail world, really respect, but like I get more inspiration from like the gastronomic world. So on on that, let's talk about some of your creations then, because um, ju- just talking about some of the names like melon, cheese and pepper, sticky mango rice. I mean, our listeners and us would love to know some of the stories behind those, the memories and how you put those flavors actually in a glass. Uh, so like, like, all, like this is again, like all the kitchen is way in advance compared to cocktail because all these flavor are like stuff that exist since ever. Like I didn't invent nothing. Um, melon cheese pepper. Uh, it was like a weird, like it was, it was like, uh, I wanted to, to put mozzarella in a cocktail and it came out that like mozzarella is so delicate that if you like mix it, you're gonna lose like the whole thing. So I really like the fact to put layers of uh, and like different texture. I think it's an interesting take. Like I'm not really into like the whole trend of doing like really clarified, really like um, transparent cocktail. Like and so and so like I I like I try like different technique to put like two layers and like this the foam came out after this. I really think as well that melons, we was like, in, it was a cocktail I was doing in Barcelona. Melons are amazingly good there. So I don't like to transform it that much. I like the fact that it's like fresh juice, everyday made, just like slow juice. I will like, I think if you, you don't need to, to change like nothing about, about like the melon juice from Spain, obviously. So it was a pretty easy one to do. I was not expecting that it became uh, one of the best seller. It was the best seller in the, Totally the bestseller in Tushmeg because like most of our crowd was not like cocktail cocktail people. It was like like uh, like normal guests, like neighbor and stuff like this. And it was like still like even though there was a form of cheese, like something like maybe it can be scary. People was taking like one thousand of them. I think it's more about like it's juicy, it's good, and it was interesting. It was fun. It was fun to. I'm really, I'm really proud of this cocktail. I really, I, I was really happy about it, and I really proud that it became like a thing. So yeah, of course, it's like flavor from. It's like it's flavor from my everyday life, of my childhood. Like we was like eating this like every day. Every day we was eating melons, uh, during summer, obviously season seasonal stuff. But it was like it's like it's a flavor I really grew up. Even like the smell, like when I'm. When I was like uh, away from a long time in uh, from like my south, like the smell of melon like remind me like this like it's like it's like it's a thing for me like it's like tomato basically my to like go to for like the whole summer normally I eat only this not anymore because in in New York is less is less fun yeah exactly I mean, most of your drinks inspired by memories the taste do you. In, uh, you get your inspiration from the memories as well. Yeah, I like uh, I like uh, when cocktail have a story. Like I did before, like so many. Uh, oh, this is a new spice, and like I think it's interesting. Like Nico de Soto does this a lot, like bringing like new flavor and make like new flavor combo, which I really like as well. And I was trying to do this before, but like I'm less good at this. Like I think it's more. 
like a cocktail that have like a whole history is like more interesting. It become like it's like uh, serving a cocktail in a crystal beautiful glass versus serving a cocktail in a like it can be super interesting, but like you have to deliver like a whole the, the whole package. And I think like uh, having now like history in the cocktail like make it. Firstly, for me, it's like it make it like uh, more good. Like I prefer them, and also like I think for like the guest, it's also like more easy to understand and it get more addictive and stuff. Was like talking with with a friend, and he was like, "Oh, like now my bar is known for this like little frozen coffee we do. It's like a super Italian uh, stuff, and like he's doing it in Asia." And like normally, like but like it's because this have so much history, and it was like it's funny or like people focus on this, the brazers and like my super beautiful cocktail. And I was like, yeah, but like it's, he didn't say this. I say it because he's doing beautiful cocktail. But I was like, yeah, but this is history. Like I don't know. Like there is something like this is why people can relate a lot about it. I think it's it's like something like this. I really like this. Absolutely. And it's so nice to have those familiar flavors. Everyone knows melon. And, you know, the, and cheese, but to have them together in a glass, I think it makes a really exciting experience as well. So it's a drinking experience, but it's a real community experience as well. It's lovely, really nice. Out of your other drinks, these lovely flavors that you have, which other ones are you proud of? So now we're doing like new stuff. Uh, I really like the the cinnamon bun we do. Same, it's like an old all story like it's so easy to relate about cinnamon bun so like i'm it's like really tasting like this i think it's super fun it's not just like cinnamon and like brown alcohol it's like a whole like layer of like taste like bread and stuff and i think i'm i really like this one i'm happy to i forgot like like i forgot what i did before because i'm like focusing on the new stuff i have a really good idea now that i can say but uh i like i need a lab to make sure it's it's working well as i but like i'm i'm sure it's going to be my favorite soon but uh yeah i forgot a little bit what what else i like yeah the pan con tomate become like a big thing in miami and i, I it was my favorite as well i think like we're going to i'm going to do like a, a a good twist of it uh like uh, in a, in our next menu. You just describe what it is, actually, because pe- some people won't know because you've put toasted bread, tomatoes, but just explain that drink a bit more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, um, uh, it's tomato water already, it's not juice, so it's like more light and uh, it's infused with uh, burnt bread and it's supposed to remind you like pan con tomate from uh, Barcelona uh, without the garlic. Because yeah, garlic is and uh, and you have a lot of olive as well. But like we don't we don't talk about it. It's just like it's like just a, like normally it's a dish, a really really simple dish, as melon and cheese and uh, mozzarella by the way, and uh, really like Mediterranean flavor. And it's like it became like yeah this liquid, uh, and it's like really light, but it also like have this like toasty bread flavor at the end. And it's a uh, it's a really it's I'm I really like this one as well. Yeah, I'm really proud of this one. I mean, you're making me thirsty and hungry in equal measures at the moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's fascinating here the, the, what you're talking about, these different flavors and how you bring them together. But could you maybe share one or two times when you thought of something and then it was an absolute disaster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah it, don't, it doesn't happen to me that many times now. It was happening to me like more back in the day, like when I was in Sandica and I was trying, like the first cocktail I tried to do was like, because I like as I say I was trying to put fa- like 
I knew only how to bring out flavor with fat and, and salt. And I didn't know yet, like, how to use uh, the sugar, the bitterness as well was really new for me and the acidity. So like the first cocktail I was trying to do, I was like, I wanted to like a pumpkin scene, but like, there is no flavor on pumpkin soup without the butter or stuff like this. So I was doing like fat cocktail, like it was disgusting. A lot of like, uh, like I never did it like on the menu though. Like I didn't like, but like now I don't do that many mistakes anymore. Like it was more like I was putting, like I didn't know, I didn't have the technique to bring like flavor liquid, like to transform like flavor. because in kitchen you don't need it to be liquid. So yeah, like some, some mistake on, on this. Yeah. But uh, but uh, now now it don't happen to me that 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 much like not not anymore yeah because I did enough mistake before so it's okay <laughs> I'm, all, I'm like now it's more easy good good and um, one of the other tips because we're going to ask you for a few tips for our listeners but one of the tips that you give is that all ingredients of the same color go together can you give us some examples of that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Like the most uh, famous one, I think it's a uh, carrot, carrot, carrots, and uh, orange. It's like carrot, orange. It's like uh, the juice you can buy everywhere. It's like it's super. Like it's the orange, the orange color. After we was using us uh, any kind of like green herbs and uh, green apple, green smith and lime go really well together. Um, what I can say. Like everything, like what it, it's like, it's just like in, like if you think about it a little bit, you, you, you see that it's like always like, it's always working almost beside when it's like industrial, industrial color and stuff. But yeah, like all the fruits, like all the red fruits together go together. And if you add like, I don't know, it's like, yeah, go really, uh, it's like, it's like, it's a easy tips. It's not like, it's, it's not me saying it's a, uh, I have a, I have a big, uh, hole because like, he's a really famous chef. He own a Mirazur in uh, Menton. It's like, uh, he's a Argentinian chef. And this, this chef is doing really this, like he's doing monochrome, uh, a dish. And because he's following this rules, he really loves to, to work with monochrome dish. And he's like, he's like, I went to his restaurant. It was like, it was amazing. But it's really like natural when you think about it, it's true. Yeah, and it's good. It's a good thing for people to keep in mind when they're trying to create drinks or food for that matter. So top tip for sharing. <laughs> uh, what about um, in, in your style of uh, cocktail creation? Do you have a sort of particularly favorite spirit that you find works in your style? Or are you, or do you, do you work across a whole range of spirits? What, what turns you on in that way? Oh yeah, yeah, I have favorite spirit. I'm like, uh, I don't know if it's because I'm French or because I start in Sandica, but I really like, uh, Cognac, Armagnac and, and Calvados. It's my three like go to. I really, I really enjoy to use them. I know them by art. Like I know exactly. So like it's my, uh, it's my, like Armagnac is more difficult because it's not everywhere in the world that you can have like a good brand that is, uh, like affordable for cocktail. Uh, but in France, it was easy to get, and like, cal- but Calvados and uh, and uh, and cognac, like in my menu, I put like I overput them. <laughs> it's always like there's always like three, four of the cocktail out of ten, like with Calvados and cognac. So yeah, but uh, yeah, it's my good like for sure. It's like my kind of like it's the kind of. You can take the girl out of France, but you know she always wants her French spirits. So that's good. I love that. 
Yeah, for sure. Right. So, so going back to some tips, are there any things that you can recommend for people to zhuzh up their cocktails using ingredients from the kitchen? I think uh, we always put like a pinch of salt, like salt makes the cocktail uh, just like exhaust like all the flavor, like don't overdo it. I overdo it a lot, me, myself. like I love to put salt. <laughs> it can be like really, really quickly, uh, a little bit like too much, but like always just a little bit. Yeah. It's like when you do a cake and you put a pinch of salt and, uh, and, uh, don't be afraid of using sugar. I think like at one point there was like so many bartenders that was like, uh, we like want because everything was so sweet back in the day. Like everybody was afraid to put too much sugar and it become like kind of like, uh, less fun, but like also sugar bring texture as well. And, um, and like there's different kind of sugar and like if you if you don't want to sugar it too much but like give a a good texture to it you can use like brown one and and stuff like this it's like i i like i really like this trick and i don't like when it's too watery when it's like yeah i would say this too sugar like like stuff that exhaust the flavor basically it's kind of easy but like use a little pinch of salt for uh, like we put salt in all of our cocktail, especially if it's fat cocktail, like with cocoa and stuff like this. It's like making everything better. Good. Top tip. It's the same with food, isn't it? You need a little bit of salt or a little bit of sugar to bring out the taste. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. On that also, can you give us a little great tip on how you make your herb syrups? Because um, that's a, that's been a big thing for you, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I really like uh, the same, I guess, it's because it's from food. We use a lot of fresh herbs, make like really interesting, really, really like tarragon and stuff like this. I think with herbs, there is a problem is like if you get like bad really quick, there's this technique. It's like, uh, a, a, like it's like a French, like it's used in a lot of, uh, kitchen, but it's like to keep the, the freshness and the green, you flash cook your herbs and after you put them like straight in the ice bath, it's like I learned in, Kitchen school, it was clear, like named fix the chlorophyll. But when I did the research for like a talk, I understand that it was not true. It's like a legend that we say in a French kitchen, but like it worked still. And you have like a really green. So once you cook, you flash cook your uh, herbs, you stop the kitchen, like the, the cooking by a lot of ice, like a bath ice. And then you have like this herbs that gonna keep like a really fresh taste, like it was uncooked. And for a long time, and also keep like this green, this green like color. I really like to use this uh, technique. You can do like soda out of it, and it's gonna be super green and super beautiful. Or you can do a syrup, and you can keep it like way more than like a uh, uh, classic, like just mix it like herb syrup. It also doesn't taste like cooked herb, which uh, which is like important for me. I prefer like when you cook basil, for example, everything is lost; it's not good anymore. And like when you use this technique, you have like a beautiful green basil syrup that stay for like days. And it's like, it's really interesting for all the cool herbs you're like, voila. <laughs> and how, and how do you use it? Would you use it in drinks or what sort of drinks would you use it in? Um, so right now we do like this super, uh, super cool tamarino and cilantro cocktail. It's like a eyeball. Uh, but the cilantro is more like, like soda. So I don't add sugar. You have to be drink like in the two, three days because after it's like changing, uh, doing a syrup, it work really well with 
like it's like it's so much like so much stuff you can put like it's just like a new syrup with like freshness everybody likes some like fresh herb like the tarragon we was using it i was using it with a like uh like in a normal sour back in the day with like a, a lemon eau de vie it was like really really nice make like the thing original but with taste you know already it's uh, like i really like to use this uh same basil i mean like everybody every like Everybody likes basil. I hope so. It's an amazing no, it's flavor. Fantastic. You can use it, it makes in every... everything fresh, yeah. which is good. Yeah, yes. for sure. <laughs> and as a sort of food, if we can call you this, as a foodie-focused bartender, um, you've you've obviously visited a lot of cities around the world. You've worked in lots of different places. Um, wh- where has really influenced you? Do you think the most? And you know the kind of flavors that you like. But it's uh, it's obviously, I think like I, I try a lot of, ama- now I'm in Bangkok, for example. I mean, like the food here is unbelievable. It's so good. But I I like I like to try it. I don't understand it fully because I didn't grow up here and I don't understand all the season stuff, like what's up, when do you eat this? So I really enjoy it. But like, it's difficult to say I can be, I can't really like pull it out good because I don't know everything about it. What I know the most is obviously Mediterranean European Mediterranean food. So let's uh, like where I'm from is Nice. Nice is next to Italy. So it's really similar as like North Italian food. Living in Barcelona as well, same, same kind of stuff. This is what I know the most and I get inspired like the most by, obviously, because it's also what like I, I know and I love as well. And it may, it mean more for me than every other food in the world. But after like I love, I enjoy a lot of other like now, like I'm in Asia and I'm eating amazing stuff every day i just couldn't like put it out in uh like myself i think so but like i can like use some tips but like yeah now like we yeah, are mediterranean european mediterranean food for sure and what's your favorite ingredient to work with at the moment and why i'm uh, uh, i always have like little uh, period of like being like obsessed with something the only ingredients I stay forever it's tomato. I always use tomato in all my menu since ever. I really like it. But uh, my new obsession is a uh, burn. Like weirdly enough, so like uh, the taste of like when like you over burn your uh, bread already used. But like I'm I like I really like now the you know when you do a meringue and you burn it and it tastes like this. I really like this taste. I want to I want to find a solution to put it in a drink. It's gonna take time, but like. I really like like this bitterness and like when the like, caramel is just slightly over like it's it's a weird one I have to figure it out but like uh, but like I get like a, like I have a little obsession in this period about this and I didn't saw it that many times like like I didn't so so burnt flavor which is also like ten years ago like Anne Sophie Pick was burning beetroot and doing like a beetroot coffee and burnt dish and it was like already it's already done same like i didn't invent nothing but like sh- like chef are like 10 years in advance almost anyway <laughs> well we're looking forward to tasting your new things but um as we said before you first fell in love with bartending in new york and a little birdie tells us you're set to open a new bar with mo um mo aljaf in new york in 2024 next year is that right yeah next year it's gonna be next year yeah exactly 
When you first went to New York, was it something that you had in your mind that you wanted to open? Was it a big dream to open a bar there or is that just something that's happened? Uh, it was like a, a little bit unbelievable, unbelievable to think that I could open a bar there. It was, it's like, it's great. It's still crazy. Like <laughs> to me to say it that loud. Um, I wanted to work in New York since ever. Like one, my best friend from like high school, when I told him this, he was like, yeah, I remember you telling me when you were 17 kitchen, like I want to work in kitchen in New York. It's like, it was my dream since ever. I never dreamed big enough to think that I'm going to open my own bars. So it's kind of like, yeah, for sure. I'm really attracted to the city. I, I, I love it since, since, uh, since ever. I mean, like, I think as like, I'm not that original on this one. <laughs> so a lot of people love this city, but if you like big, big city with a lot of people from all around the world, this city is like the biggest of all. Like it's like the best, the best one. I mean, I'm mean, like, yeah. So yeah. New York was a, a dream and now it's becoming like, yeah, still, it's still weird when I Reality. say it. I'm like, oh yeah. Sometimes like grocery shopping and I'm like, ah, that's happening here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything you can actually give us a little sneak preview of what we can expect from the new bar? Uh, yeah, not, not like, because everything is not sure at all. I mean, like we're like now discussing every day about how it's going to be and stuff, but uh, it's going to be really different from Tushmak. Uh, we, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a little bit more, uh, more mature, let's say, because more change a lot and I'm, I'm in the thing. So it's going to be really a mix up of both of us. We're really going to work hard on the design of the bar. It's like an everyday conversation within us. So I can explain you what we want to do, but I can tell you it's, probably gonna like if we do what like everything we want is gonna be a, a really beautiful bar <laughs> we are like really focused on this yeah 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 it's uh yeah and it's gonna be really different as well as like the tushmak uh, design even though it's gonna be the same uh, people and also elian and flo from like the previous team are with me and in, with us in the team so so like really really excited and happy about this as well makes the thing way more easy when you know your friend are like around with you in this new adventure absolutely and it's called schmuck not too schmuck so people know that that's the new yeah, yeah. name isn't it schmuck schmuck with no s and a dot idea brilliant brilliant so everyone will be following you to find out what's going on when we can expect it is it around springtime do you think or you're not quite sure um we have an idea but like you know it's like i really believe in a in a bad bad luck and i'm really afraid to say stuff and yeah don't happen, say, so don't like say anything yeah 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 <laughs> don't say anything so and everybody can just follow you and mo on your on your Instagram feeds for details and keep up to date with it then. But we will definitely be over in New York to see you. Nice. I am excited to to have you guys. Yeah, we'll definitely be over to see you then. So <laughs> thanks so much, Julia. It was great to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.